In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. We are answering one very simple question today that is going to take us into a lot of different areas, but are we, and by we I mean you, are we primary care providers? This will be interesting. Now before you guys get your panties all in a bunch about it, notice I did not say primary care physicians, I said primary care Providers. So we're going to go into that today, why I think it's such an important distinction to make for our profession, for our specialty, and how we can be doing a better job at this and actually using the $150,000 doctorate that we have gotten. Yes. And before we dive into that, we are going to be talking to you a little bit at the end here. Nicole has a new masterclass all about medical procedures. We're going to talk about where that came from and how it came to be. But the registration for that is open today. So that is going to be on pelvicptrising.com slash procedures. We'll tell you a little bit more about it and how it came to be a little bit later in the podcast after we talk about this. But you're going to see how intricately that is tied up with the question of what the role of pelvic PT, pelvic OT, pelvic rehab is for our patients. So, Nicole, talk to me a little bit about the problem that our patients face Why do they need, I feel like there's this role that we're talking about that is just, it's unfilled right now. Like why do patients need that true like pelvic health primary provider? Well, there's a couple of things. I think that the way that the, especially in the U.S., the medical system is set up, like no provider is really seeing the big picture. They don't have time. They maybe don't want to. And patients are trained to go to those people first. The other issue is that there is just an appalling lack of knowledge about pelvic health diagnoses, the musculoskeletal role, the neuromuscular role in pelvic health diagnoses, and so in the medical community in general. And those two things, I think, are the biggest issues with where we are right now. Yeah, I think that's something that We've seen a lot because we obviously see a lot of really complex patients. We see a lot of out of town patients here at Pelvic Sanity. And I think one thing, even just talking to them on the phone, every single person that we've had, I think, come out feels like no one really has their arms around the big picture. They feel like they go to this specialist and they look at that thing and then they go to this specialist and they look at this thing. And no one is ever really taking a look at that big picture saying, what's really driving this? What's the biggest bang for your buck? And you can totally see it, right? You go to a urologist and we'll speak about something that I know a little bit more about just from the IC solution, but you go to a urologist and ask them about IC symptoms. What do they tell you? They tell you bladder installations and Elmeron. They don't talk about the benefits of diet and nutrition. They don't talk about 
physical therapy, which is what the AUA literally tells them to recommend. They don't talk about acupuncture. They don't talk about getting enough sleep. They don't talk about any of those other things that can make a difference. It's like, hey, I'm a bladder specialist. You come to me. Here is the bladder focused things that I can offer you. Right. And, you know, and it's not even that that is so, so terrible. And I can see it from their perspective. Like that's all they can do. The problem is that they don't present that to the patient in a way that's going to be helpful to the patient. So it gets misconstrued by they're just saying, hey, you need to do this because this is what I can offer you. And the patient is hearing, this is the only thing that I can do for this condition. And when there is like I said, an appalling lack of knowledge about how the pelvic floor is involved in a lot of these pelvic health diagnoses. That's where the patient is really left pretty much SOL because they're not getting the full breadth of what they should be getting in terms of their referrals. And this is not And you guys have heard us say this, I hope, a couple of times before on this podcast. It's not to bag on physicians or other specialties. Like There are intrinsic limitations to our medical system. Like You get 15 minutes max with a patient. You are double booked. All of those different things. And so it's not saying that there's a right or wrong, but the fact of the matter is that physicians generally do not have either the time or the breadth of expertise to really sit down with a patient and walk through each of their different options, all of the different pros and cons, understand them as a human being and their history. You got 15 minutes and half of that is going to be charting. So you've got to get in, get out and get on with the next person. And I think that's the amazing role that you guys as pelvic rehab can play in your patients' lives. Like we talked a little bit about this on our last episode, but you guys are going to see somebody in your plan of care for literally more time cumulatively than they have ever spent in a doctor's office and probably hopefully, than they ever will spend in a doctor's office. Yeah, this is where I think that there's an interesting distinction between our quote-unquote specialty areas. I feel like as a physician, your specialty area gets more and more narrow, right? So urologist gets more and more narrow. If they specialize in pelvic pain, that's even more narrow. But for us, I think that part of the big definition of us being a specialist in the field that we're in, physical therapy, rehab, our area of specialty requires us to have a broader view of the patient to see that whole person. And that's a big, big, big distinction that I really am challenging us to embrace. Well, I think you kind of have to, right? The field has kind of pushed the the doctorate level education, the extra ability that you guys now have. Well, I mean, this is the downside of that. If you want us to call it a downside, like there's a bigger responsibility now that there is. Like you guys are the people who, for your patients, are in the best position to make sure that they get to the right specialist, that they understand all of their options, that they have that big picture view. And the problem is, is that in order to be able to give them the big picture view, you have to know all that stuff too. Totally. You know, and this is actually bringing me back to a little bit to PT school. So I graduated PT school in 2006. And, you know, we all had Vision 2020. Not all PT schools at that time were doctorate level programs. And I can remember having debates in PT school. I forget what class it was, probably some stupid, like, I don't know, some throw in. But now that I look back, I'm like, oh, this was actually a really important discussion on where is our field going? And at that time, it was still, it still is. But at that time, especially, it was very much 
medicalized. Our PT was very medicalized. It was, what does the doctor say? And they're writing the prescription. And there was not really direct access at that time because that was still just a budding sort of concept. And I remember debating in our class about like, well, we better be careful what we wish for. There's going to be so much more responsibility, so much more liability, so much more all of the things when we go to this doctorate model isn't, don't we want to keep <laughs> this medicalization of our field? And whew, times have changed a little bit. If my younger self could hear me now, I would be flipping that on its head big time. But that was sort of the whole thing back then. Yeah. The crux of that question is, is if you're going to go for this extra level of education, why have a doctorate if you're going to continue to behave like you have a bachelor's? Right. Why have that extra education if you're going to literally just do and take orders basically from a physician? And so it's really about, I think, really just reexamining that role and being able to say, like, how can we best serve? Like, this isn't about usurping other people. This isn't about taking over. This isn't about other practitioners doing a poor job. This is just looking and saying, hey, how can we better serve our patients? And if patients don't understand their options, they don't understand all of the crazy, confusing things, which let's be real, like I still don't understand any of that stuff. And I've been following Nicole around for six years. Like how is a patient supposed to like understand all of their medical options and all of the medications and all of the supplements and all of the diet stuff and all of the pelvic health stuff, all the pelvic floor muscles and be able to say bulbo cavernosis with a straight face? How does that happen? Like they can't do that. And that's the position that we're putting them in. And then we almost make fun of them sometimes of like, oh, they went on to Dr. Google and we're going through all of that stuff. Like, I mean, it's a problem, but it's also like totally understandable. They have to be doing that because no one else understands it all and is advocating for them. And that I think is an area where pelvic rehab is just uniquely situated to be able to help people far more than it ever has been able to in the past. Totally. And then this is where also, you know, sometimes when I talk about this, I get a little pushback in the DMs or wherever about, oh, well, isn't this out of our scope? And it's absolutely not. Do y'all remember we took pharmacology? We literally learned about every single, when you think about what we learned in ortho, it was literally the same model every time. It was like, what are the medical providers doing? What are the surgeons doing? What do we need to know in order to do our jobs better and serve our patients better? That's literally how everything went. We learned about the medical part of everything, and then we learned about what we can do about it. And what I feel sometimes is lacking in the entry-level sort of pelvic health stuff is that we get so focused on learning this really novel skill of doing internal examinations. And and it is, it's a very much a big time skill that we have to learn and take into account and, and hone that craft and all of that, that sometimes I think that we just sort of gloss over some of the medical management piece and we don't go into it as in depth with our patients. And I love that you you bring that up, Nicole, because this to me goes back to if we have a kind of a guiding question at pelvic sanity, one of the things that we always want to be thinking about is like, what would we want for our own friends and family? What would we want for our moms, our sisters, our parents, our brothers, whoever it is? And would we want somebody, you know, we talk about that scope and, and almost using that as an excuse to not have some of these other conversations, but would we want somebody who was just like, 
Yep, that's fine. Everything outside of like literally my pelvic floor exam, it, you're on your own. Like stress, whatever. Medical procedures, whatever. You're going to this urologist and you have all these questions. Sorry, I can't help you. Like I work on the pelvic floor and if it's outside that two inch by two inch area, like good luck. Well, and then that would be going back to that medical specialist model, right? If that's really all we want to do, then I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what to say to you. (laughs) I mean, that should feel not good to you, honestly. And that's what the medical system has allowed these specialists to do is get really super narrow. And we have to, in our pursuit of being a really good advocate and clinician for our patients, we have to break out of that and fight that urge to get more and more and more hyper-specialized just in the pelvis. We have to look outside the pelvis, we have to look outside the pelvic floor, and we have to treat the person like a whole person. And that means that we also have to understand when some of that medical intervention is appropriate. And if it is appropriate, we have to have a freaking opinion based on the musculoskeletal neuromuscular exam that we've done that's in our wheelhouse. We have to have an opinion on what best medical intervention can be done to help that specific problem. And that's really where this masterclass is born. Nicole Preach, that's why we call it pelvic PT rising, right? Not pelvic PT status quo. (laughs) <laughs> be a boring as shit podcast. Right. Right? But this is, it's it's seizing that responsibility. It's taking that responsibility seriously. And in the two things that we're really going to be talking about, I mean, really the whole aspect of knowing about what other options are available, one is the reactive kind, which we all need to be able to do. But what do you say about that when your patient asks you about a caudal block, about a tailbone procedure, about prolotherapy, about radiofrequency ablation. Like they walk in and they're like, hey, I read this great article that says that radiofrequency ablation can cure my pedendal neuralgia. Is it silence? Is that what it is? Like, what do we know about that? What can you tell them? How do you interpret that information for them? And let me tell you, the answer is not, well, go ask your pain management doctor because even though that's the person doing the procedure, they do not have all of the information that we have knowing that person. We have a situation right now, pelvic sanity, where somebody is relatively complex, has had a ton of pain for a very long time. And she came to one of my therapists and was like, oh, what should I do? And, you know, in our mentorship sessions and stuff, we, we go over that case. And then my question back is, well, what do you think is the actual problem? Like it all comes back to our recommendations need to be based on what we actually think. And we have to have a hypothesis. We have to have a working hypothesis. We have to be constantly feeling that out and figuring out what is the actual driver to the symptom and is medical intervention appropriate at the right time for the right patient? And if so, what am I going to recommend that's going to give me the biggest bang for my patient's buck? Because literally some of these things are super duper expensive. You think pelvic PT is quote unquote expensive. You pay $3,000, $6,000. I've seen it as high as $20,000 for a a freaking pain management person in, in LA that's charging that much for obturator internist trigger point injections and penental nerve blocks. Like If we're going to be recommending that to people, we have to understand the implications of what we're having them go to do. And it has to be at the right time because if we do it too early, 
or don't set the expectation to the patient the right way, then we're just at fault for that intervention not working or not being as effective as it could be than the physician providing it. Yes. So I think there's so much to unpack. That's why I'm really excited, Nicole. So talk to me about this masterclass, all about medical procedures. How is this going to help people kind of take that responsibility to seize control of their doctorate level education and truly become this primary care provider who can really guide and oversee their patient's whole care? Like what's the goal here? So the goal is to be able to understand some of the most common things that pain management doctors, urogynecologists, gynecologists, all these different medical providers, the procedures that they can offer patients, that's going to take a look at the tactical part of like, what is it? Who's it indicated for? But the big jump that I'm really excited about sharing with you all is from a PT perspective, what are the things that we should be looking at in our patient to choose or recommend one of those things over another. And there's a lot of different permutations of how we can do this. For instance, if someone has tailbone pain or if somebody has SI joint and tailbone pain, and you also know that they have pelvic floor dysfunction and you know specifically which muscles are the problem, you know, your real choices are trigger point injection, Botox, caudal block, and some sort of sacral nerve root block. That's four choices that you have. And the order in which you recommend those things matters based on your PT evaluation and examination. And so, and you have to take into account the whole person. What are the patient's expectations? What's their personality like? Are they in a catastrophizing state? All of that stuff is takes in, we have to take that into account to what we recommend for that patient. That's so important. So, and going back to that, that's a great, I think, example, Nicole, of the complexity of what we're talking about. Because if that person with those same symptoms, right, and and you would say that of those four different options, all four could be the quote unquote right one for a certain patient at a certain time. And if they go into their pain management doctor who has none of the information that you have, has not been working with this patient for six weeks, 12 weeks already, has not been feeling their pelvic floor, has not checked the position of the coccyx, whatever else you guys do in the treatment room, like they have none of that information. They are literally flying blind with whatever it is that they're more comfortable doing with what they learned best in school, whatever reimburses them more. Let's be real. Like it's a crapshoot, right? If you send somebody in and it's like, hey, these four things could all be it. Like it's a total crapshoot on which one they're going to come out with if if you don't guide the process. Totally. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is going off of the information. They go off of symptoms. My patient comes in and says, I have pain here. They recommend the thing that they feel like will address that acute pain there. Well, They also might not know about the chronicity of pain and that patient's personality. And they don't necessarily know because they aren't doing very much evaluation of the musculoskeletal or neuromuscular system, ironically. They don't know the driver of that issue. So if a person has a hypertense pelvic floor, they don't know why, right? So they could be like, oh, let me just do some trigger point injections. But if it's because of a pedental nerve problem, then maybe there should be a pedental nerve block first. like, Or could you do both at the same time? What is the best thing to do? You should have an opinion on that. And I can help you to do that and have an opinion with this masterclass. 
If you are not fired up and excited about this, this is going to be, I'm actually super excited for this one to learn just because I love all like figuring this stuff out. But if you're not excited about this, I don't know what's the matter. This is going to be so cool. So Nicole, give me like just a quick rundown. What are the things that you're going to cover here? You mentioned some of them, Botox to the pelvic floor, trigger point injections. Like what else are we going to learn about? So we did a pull in the huddle. So if you guys don't have time to figure it out, to go fill that out too. So some of the things that we're going to go over is Botox to the pelvic floor, pedental nerve injections, caudal blocks, hypogastric plexus blocks, radiofrequency ablation. Those are the things that come to mind right trigger now. Trigger point injections. Oh, yeah. Trigger point injections of the pelvic floor. Oh, prolotherapy. You're going to talk about prolos. I am right? going to talk about prolotherapy. Yes. All right. We got some stuff going on. So this is going to be great. And then the just the format, if you guys haven't heard us talk about the Masterclasses series, we've done one of these before. It was the Down Training Masterclass. But these are meant to be super digestible, quick hitting, an hour to an hour and a half of information, give you really, really targeted information about something that we think that you should really know about. And I think the other thing that I'm really excited about is that this is going to help you to set expectations for your patient really well. Because I think that's another big area that's lacking in the medical management part of this from a physician standpoint is that sometimes there's very unrealistic expectations on how well or not well intervention is going to work. And so when we have a basic understanding of the driver and what we're recommending and why, we can also be recommending something that's going to be either diagnostic or therapeutic. And that's a big, big, big help to our patients to give them context about why we're doing a certain medical intervention. And that's something that they don't get from their physicians very often. Oh, that's going to be really interesting to go through the pros and cons, the time that it takes, all of the the effectiveness, all of that stuff that you're going to be going through. So masterclass, let me give you guys all of the details. If this is something that sounds interesting, it is going to be going live on Tuesday, the 16th. That's next Tuesday. If you guys are listening to this on Thursday when this podcast drops, it's going to be an hour to an hour and a half. It's going to have a whole live Q&A. You will get a replay. It is 2020. You have lifetime access to it. Uh, it would be silly otherwise. It is $47. So we want this to just be a total no-brainer. If this is something you've ever wondered about, had questions about, this is going to ask all of that stuff. You can go back and access this again and again with that. Um, space is limited on this. It is first come, first serve. So please, registration is going to be open today on Thursday the 11th. So make sure you register. That is at pelvicptrising.com slash procedures. Pelvicptrising.com slash procedures. Procedures is plural. There is no con ed for this. Uh, you guys know our thoughts on all of that. It's a hour masterclass. You guys are going to learn stuff that is going to affect the rest of your career. You do not need 0.1 hours of Con Ed to count for <laughs> this thing. Get MedBridge, get your Con Ed out of the way, and then take the stuff that you really care about. So that's the the whole stuff on the masterclass, Nicole. Anything else to say on the masterclass? And then I want to bring you back to one other big question that we had on this whole thing. Mm, no, I just feel like this will really enhance a lot of your guys's practice, honestly. Going back a little bit to my training, I really am thankful and grateful for the amount of physician interaction that I was able to have at a really young pelvic PT stage of my career. And then I had a really, really good mentor um, in another place that I worked that that had also been working right underneath a, a really prominent urogynecologist in our area. And so 
there are so many other little nuances and little clinical pearls that are going to come out of this masterclass about when to recommend something and how and all of that stuff and how to talk to patients about it. You guys know I always like the tactical part of that too. I'm really grateful that I've had that underpinning in my career the whole time. And I'm excited to share that with you guys. It's so interesting to me because a lot of times I feel like you're just shocked when people don't know some of this stuff because you had that history and it's been part of your practice for almost 15 years. And then I ask you that follow-up question of like, well, where would somebody else have learned this? And you're like, oh, like yeah, actually, nowhere. Oh, I don't even like, know. Unless you happened to mentor underneath a great clinician and worked really closely with one of the most prominent urogynecologists in the Western half of the country, then kind of nowhere until this masterclass. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So it's always interesting. So Nicole, getting back to our big question, are we, and by we, I mean you, primary care providers? Well, we sure as hell should view ourselves like that. Yes, we are primary care providers. And that is, we want to be the people that if somebody has a pelvic health concern, they are being like, wow, I need to find a pelvic PT or OT. I need to find a pelvic person. And that's going to be us. And then we can help them figure out exactly what the driver is and then help them to get to the right medical person. That's how we want it to go. That's what having a doctorate level education should mean for us. And if that scares you a little bit, it should because it's a lot of responsibility, but it's where our field is going. And it's where we need to step up and take on that responsibility head on. Love that, Nicole. That reminds me of that line in Armageddon about that responsibility should be some combination of exciting and scary, right? Is it 98% exciting, 2% scary? Is it 98% scary, 2% exciting? I don't know. But either way, this is going to help you kind of get in that mindset of being that primary care person for your patient because that is what they need. So guys... If you have questions about this, this is probably in the top 10 of controversial things, controversial in quotes, but controversial things that Nicole has said. But let us know what your thoughts are. Are you a primary care provider? Do you want to be more of a primary care provider? Is that something that you're seeing lacking? Or do you think that this is just crazy town and you think that everybody's medical management is perfect and there's no problem at all? And what the heck are we talking about? We want to hear from you guys. We always love that feedback. Let's keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.